Hello, everybody. Thanks for coming back to uh, Property Pros Podcast. We've got another great episode. We have a, a really cool guest on today, and I think her story is interesting. I can't wait to get into it. Uh, her name is Ann Danielson Richter. She's a broker for INB Realty, and she deals in um, buying and selling of vacant land. Ann, thanks for being here. How are Thank you doing? Thank you for having me. I'm doing well. Thank you. So just to give our audience a little bit of background, do you want to tell them a little bit about yourself? Like, how did you get into the uh, brokering of vacant land rather than some other form of real estate? You want to give a little context of your work history, and then we can sort of go from there. Sure. Um, I have a degree from Columbia in business school, so I went into investment banking but did not enjoy the work-life balance. And uh, through some connections uh, in prior work that I had, I started working in timeshare and hotels for Starwood and then Hilton, and then decided to branch out uh, on my own into real estate in Florida. And as part of the very strong uh, upswing in home building in Florida, I ended up working for IMB Homes as a broker, buying vacant land for them in their developments in um, Palm Coast, Palm Bay, most uh, mostly, but also as well in Northport and Cape Coral. So it, it's a little bit of a change from doing healthcare investment banking in London to buying vacant land in Palm Coast, Florida, but I really enjoy it. And I originally came from Florida, so it works out great for me personally as well. So you were born in Florida, you say? No, I was actually born in Kansas, but um, I think my parents decided Florida, there was a lot more exciting things happening in Florida than in Kansas, nothing against Kansas or my relatives who still live there, but they wanted something a little bit more fast paced. So we ended up in Florida. Oh, I understand. Yeah, I, I moved here too for lifestyle reasons. Yes. In fact, uh, I used to be in the home building business, but I didn't do anything on the development side. And I think that part's pretty cool. So... Um, Tell me a little bit more about that, getting into the reality and then learning to buy and sell lots. I mean, was there a reason that you picked that instead of a more traditional route of buying and selling houses or? Well, um, I, at, at IMB Homes, it was a, a fairly new or a fairly new home builder. So the first thing you need when you buy or, or you sell homes is you need vacant land. And so I started with the company right when, uh, at the very beginning, and uh, I had gotten my real estate license. So I was at that point an associate, and now I've since gotten my broker license. So it made sense to uh, focus me on buying the land so they could get hit the ground running. So we did buy, we bought like something like 400 scattered lots uh, in these four areas, mainly in Palm Coast and Palm Bay. And during that time, um, it started out well, you know, we're probably uh, going to have a slow going here because of the pandemic and everything. And I don't think anybody really expected the Florida real estate market to just explode uh, at the sort of latter half of the pandemic. And that happened for a variety of reasons. So vacant land really tripled in price uh, very quickly uh, because everybody poured in there, all these different builders. And here we are, a, new, uh, a newer, younger builder more midsize and we're competing against DR Horton and big builders like that, all buying land, all in the same places, all at once. So it became very intense. Um, 
Yeah, and it's it's slowed down a little bit because of the interest rate hikes. I mean, that has definitely we felt that, but it's uh, still very strong the real estate market in Florida. So, but that's how I ended up uh, starting in, in vacant land because that that was the first piece that you need if you're getting a home builder uh, going and off the ground. Wow, that is. I mean, that's really cool. When so when I worked for a builder, they would buy land too. This was in Central Ohio. I used to live there many many years ago, but they would buy very large tracts of it and they just would crank out the houses. So it would be akin to one of these TDA, okay, the Horton type places. Yeah, Horton, yeah. This, this scattered thing, so I go to Palm Coast a lot. You guys are down there, you're buying the lot and are you building a spec or are you waiting for somebody to buy and then you see what houses fit on the lot that you have available? Oh no, we buy, I mean, we also buy large tracts of land. We started doing that. But in the beginning, we were buying scattered lots um, because we were smaller and it's easier to uh, scale up and scale down. If you buy a large tract of land, you'd better be ready to go with the whole subdivision. And, and now that we're larger, we can do that. Uh, with a scattered lot, um, you know, it, you, we have our own floor plan. So we, I just go out and buy a lot here, buy a lot there. And then we decided we put a two bedroom, three bedroom, four bedroom on it. Um, the upside, again, as I said, from a perspective of builder, uh, it's uh, easier to scale up and scale down. Uh, the downside is if you want to have like a whole community with an, a clubhouse and an HOA, it doesn't work with that. So that's why we're also moving into subdivisions as well. Um, and and it's, it's a little bit, there's a lot of work to buy uh, a, a one parcel of land, a quarter acre. And there's as much work that can go into that, maybe not quite as much, but it's still quite a bit of work considering the size of the land relative to buying a whole subdivision because there's a lot of feasibility that we have to look into. We have to check out the area around it to make sure that the community and the, and the, and the immediate and block works with the kind of product that we want to have, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, it makes perfect sense. So their, their focus is more on trying to scale rather than individual, because I can see that, right? There's a lot of work just to get one. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes, that was me. I was the vacant lot lady. All right. So, I mean, it's Columbia. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, I enjoyed it very much being in New York City. It's a great program. Uh, I went back up there recently to talk to people about scattered lots and subdivisions that we have. There might be somebody who'd be interested in and participating in that with us as an investor. And we did get a lot of interest because Florida real estate is very strong right now. It's, it's, like I said, it has slowed down with the interest rate. It probably needed to. It went from kind of sleepy, people still being gun shy after the last recession. There are, I think, people who have PTSD from that. It's a lot of horror stories that happened in Florida uh, to being um, like almost just frantically buying every lot and it was it was it was it, 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 it was it happened in such a short period of time that that was what shocked me in about three to six months it went from sleepy to totally overcharged so in a way maybe uh raising the interest rate a little bit and i hope they don't raise it anymore and they start bringing it back down but maybe bringing raising it a little bit put the brakes some much needed brakes on a a very intense buying spree and shopping spree that everybody was doing in Florida real estate, plus a deluge of people moving to Florida during the pandemic, which was a little bit unexpected as well. Yeah, I agree. It was pretty wild to see how fast prices were rising from. Yes. Yeah. I mean, so unreal. 
Um, so when you're when you're buying plots of land, you talked about uh, easements or, or what are some of the environmental issues that go into certain plots of land that you want to buy for sale? Oh yes, um, I we have first of all you have to make sure it's not. Um, a wetland or uh, in a flood zone. And it's something that I think a lot of people, especially if they're new to Florida real estate, don't go check that. Uh, it's just a lot easier to stay out of the flood zones, stay away from the, oh, and the wetland is, uh, they might not even let you entitle on it, but there's people that still go out and buy that land and not realize that. So those are things you definitely, a person definitely has to check into, and especially now that we have more hurricanes, more stronger hurricanes, it's really important to check those things. Um, but then there's also uh, environmental issues such as the gopher tortoise, which is in a protected species in Florida. And um, it's if you find a gopher tortoise habitat on a vacant piece of land, uh, it, it, you have to have the tortoise removed by a certified tortoise removal person. You can't just go and take your shovel and flip it out of the lot or there's serious fines, possibly jail time for doing that. Um, and then there is a spe specific habitats that the tortoise removal person can take the tortoise to. And during the time when it was very uh, frantic in Florida, the buying spree, all of these habitats were full. So then we would buy a plot of land and we'd say, okay, we know there's two tortoises on it. It costs a couple thousand. Obviously, the prices went up because these people realized there is a demand for their services. Um, so we'll buy it and we'll have the tortoise removed. Well, then we were in the position of, you know, sometimes you have to wait for a tortoise to pass away, unfortunately, at one of the habitats before you can get your tortoise in there. So that was when we decided we're just not, if there's tortoises, we're just not dealing with it. And I think all the other builders decided that too, between the prices and the inability to find a place to put the tortoise. So there's that, and there's a lot of them um, in certain sections of Palm Coast and somewhat Palm Bay, but definitely in Palm Coast, um, and then, it, it, you know, we have a situation where the neighbor befriends the tortoise or whatever, and they get emotional about the tortoise. So we had that, but we just stay away from those now. And then in other parts of Florida, there's the scrub jay, which is a protected species of bird that's mostly in Northport. And I think it's like 500, uh, maybe like 100 feet around or uh, something. There's this, a definite radius. I can't remember the exact amount. Um, that you cannot build anything around a habitat that's been flagged as ha or a tortoise or excuse me a, a scrub jay nest. So if there's a scrub jay nest and it's flagged by Florida Environmental and Wildlife, um, you have to be a radius around it, or you simply can't build. You cannot remove the scrub jay. There's nothing you can do. And a lot of people who are from out of state will go in and they think, oh, I have a deal on a piece of land in Northport. And what they did is they bought land that you can't build anything on because there's a scrub jay sitting on it. So that's another thing that we really just stay away from scrub jays altogether. Yeah, I don't doubt it. So is this disclosed when they're selling it or you have to do your due diligence when you make an offer? If the seller knows about it, they're supposed to disclose or if their real estate agent knows about it, they're supposed to disclose. And if you can find out that they knew about it and they didn't tell you, uh, I think you can cause a lot of problems for them. But I would tell anybody, do your own due diligence, because it could be that they don't know, especially if it's a foreign-based owner. We have a lot of foreign owners of real estate in Florida, so they may not really know that much about the land that they bought. And I don't know how it came to be that they bought land when they never set foot on it or they set foot on it once like 15 years ago and they live in wherever um, outside the United States. 
So they may legitimately not know, and their real estate agent maybe doesn't want to know, so doesn't look into it, or maybe legitimately didn't know. So it's better to do, do one's own research. Um, and then th and there's also manatees that affects if you have, if you buy in Palm Bay and you have a, um, you need to have a septic tank so you're not on city sewer. If you're near the Indian River Lagoon uh, where the manatees uh, are eating, and, and nesting, you have to have a specialized, much more expensive type of septic tank to prevent any uh, backwash going into the lagoon and, and poisoning them. So some people may not realize that either. And then they buy the land and then they find out, you know, you have to spend, I mean, it's like a lot more, like several thousand dollars more. So uh, there's things like that that are really important to look into. There's also the quality of the soil. Uh, Florida is basically a sandbar. So there's some areas of Florida where if you drill down, you're going to end up in muck and you cannot put a house on it because it'll settle. And depending on the, the soil quality, you can either excavate the soil and refill it, which is expensive. Or, I mean, I had some people who were out of state and they, I came across them because they were begging me to buy their land. I was like, I'm not going to do that. Cause they, they, they did just bought it. And then they did a soil test and the, the, the people, the soil people went down like I don't know, 40 feet. And they're like, it's all buck. I mean, <laughs> we can't just keep going down. I mean, you just can't build a house on this uh, because it will settle and the city will flag it. And then if you try to do it, you're going to be told you can't permit there. And there's some lots where they've already flagged it in Palm Coast and some where they didn't know that. But when they go in to try to build, they'll tell the city, you know, this is not good soil. And then, then you're stuck with a lot. There's nothing you can do with it except maybe turn it into a dog park or a place where you could park a boat or I don't know what you can do with it, but you certainly couldn't put a structure on it because it would settle and it wouldn't be stable. So those are the same things you really have to look into because you could end up with a lot that's worthless or just so expensive to fix that so many problems that you don't want to deal with it. So your learning curve, I mean, you've learned this all on your own, right? This yeah, sounds well, pretty yes. amazing. People told me and I didn't want to, you know, upset the people that I was buying land for. So I wanted to make sure that I avoided anything. And as, as I did this more and more, I got more and more, I don't care if they're gonna lower the price, I'm just gonna stay away from it. In the beginning I was more, oh, maybe if they cut me a deal, I don't mind if there's a tortoise living there. Well, then I found out if there's a tortoise, there's usually a tortoise mate and then there's tortoise babies. And the next thing you know, you have eight tortoises instead of one. And then it's just easier to stay away from it. So you guys call your own staff out there to go look for this, or is this something you do? You go look for these species. Both we, and then we had. There's a uh, person that we hired. Um, not she's not an employee, but she's like a certified gopher tortoise inspector that went around for us in Palm Coast. And then there was a gentleman who did this for us in Palm Bay, also in Palm Coast. And then he did everything. He looked for tortoises. He looked for scrub jays. He looked for uh, wetlands. And they can also tell the wetlands by the type of foliage that's growing on the land, even if it's not flagged as a wetland. I guess if it has cattails, which is a type of plant, it means that the land is pretty moist. It has been pretty moist. And it, you know, if you buy it sort of when it's not quite as rainy in Florida, not in the fall maybe, maybe you buy it in the summer, you think it's you know, certain parts of the summer where it doesn't rain as much, uh, you know, that can vary. You, you could think it's fine and then you get into like hurricane season and then the lot's like, you know, six inches underwater and then you realize you have like a mini disaster. Wow. Yeah. I, I don't know it from the development side, but I, I always look at houses to see if they're set too low or if they'll 
yes. where the water will come from eventually. Yeah. Look at that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you can also have the situation where you have people next to you that built their house up and then all the water ran off there where they built the house up onto this vacant land that was nice like 10 years ago. But after 10 years of this land sitting there with somebody who built their house up on either side and all the water runs off that into the soil, it turned itself into a wetland. Agreed. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's been some that I pulled up to and I'm like, oh my gosh, could you not see this when you, it looks like a spoon. It just fills up with water. Where's it gonna go? But apparently they didn't. I feel bad for them that they didn't, but it's the same thing. Like you have to do your due diligence and it's amazing that they didn't, didn't know or didn't look. So um, something I read on your bio or your, there's something, Gator Park, what is yes. this? Yes, um, uh, there's a p piece of land that's owned by several groups, uh, or several partners, five partners. That's right outside um, the University of Florida campus in the Gainesville area. And their idea is to turn it into a park similar to Bulldog Park, which is a very successful, I think they've had multiple phases. They have Bulldog Park 1, Bulldog Park 2, and it's a, a zone for RVs with a lot of amenities. So if somebody has a nice, a really nice RV, they can drive up to Bulldog Park, hook it up. Um, they have water there, you know, facilities there, and they're within walking distance or a very short drive to the stadium. So it's geared towards the super Bulldog fan to watch football games and bring their RV up. And it's been very successful. So the, the idea is to turn this parcel of land into Gator Park for the Gator fans, which is a very, there's a very big uh, enthusiastic fan base, despite the fact that last season was a little bit sad. Um, we're hoping that the, the next year is going to be the year where they really start uh, performing at the level that we all hope and expect they can perform. So, um, but they still have their dedicated fans nonetheless, and this would be a great uh, project for the people who wish to come up to every game, but don't want to stay in a hotel and they want to bring their own RV or what have you and have the amenities sort of glamping amenities for themselves. Um, so that, that's, that's a great idea. Yeah, that's the project. Is it, did you say it's already done or it's underway? Well, we have the land and we're in the process of, of rezoning it or uh, to RV from multifamily, which um, it's not guaranteed, but the city of Gainesville is usually very friendly towards developers. So that should not be a, a huge obstacle. And then it's um, finding um, either we do it ourselves or we find some partners who want to do some of the uh, uh, invest with us and do some of the construction with us kind of in that early planning stage. Well, that sounds really cool. Yes. <laughs> it sounds like an idea you could duplicate all over the country. Yes, yes. It was very successful at, 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 at University of Georgia. So that's why we thought of it. Uh, really cool. All right. Um, so you've been at this for a little while. And of course, you've done other things in your career. Do you have any advice for those that are listening that are just starting out? Well, I think uh, working very hard uh, is very important. Um, there will always be somebody who might know something more or somebody who does something a little bit more quickly, but the person who's always reliably there in the office 
and is making the effort. I think it's the person at the end of the day that is the most appreciated. Having a, a very strong work ethic and enthusiastic attitude, I think, is the most important thing more than where somebody studied or, or, or their specific knowledge or um, some talent that they may have a little bit more than other people. I think it really comes down to work ethic and, and effort. I agree. Well said. Well said for sure. <laughs> well, you know what, Anne, thanks so much for being here today. I really enjoyed talking to you and your sharing um, your knowledge with us. Can you tell our audience how they can get a hold of you in case they want to build a house with you guys or they have an opportunity for a piece of land that you guys might be interested in? Sure. I mean, I can be emailed at um, acquisition at imbhomes.com. That stands for Innovative Nationwide Builders. I'm also on LinkedIn under Ann Danielson Richter. Anybody can reach out to me there. And then INB Homes has their website, www.inbhomes.com. Again, INB stands for Innovative Nationwide Builders. Um, so you can uh, also look on there and reach out to anybody on there or to the, on their contact form as well. Awesome. All right. Thanks so much. I really appreciate you being here. And for those that are listening to this episode, if you think that, you know, you're involved with properties and would like to be a part of one of our future episodes, drop us a note or send us a message and uh, we'll see if we can add you as a guest. And again, thanks again for being here. It was really interesting to hear about the development side. We haven't had that so far and didn't think of all the things that you have to deal with in your day-to-day -day job to get your job done. <laughs> but thanks again. Well, thank you. I enjoyed uh, talking with you. All right. Well, I appreciate it. 